What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. It's a very cold and dreary day in California, but it's very fitting with the information I'm about to break down for you guys. I'm about to tell you about politicians in the United States that have either been charged or charged and convicted of crimes against minors, and more specifically, sex crimes against children. And unfortunately, this episode was not even very difficult to research. All of this information is on the internet, and you think more media outlets would put together a story highlighting the 60-plus names of politicians, the two CNN producers, now we got a top CEO at Sony. But there's no story in the mainstream media putting all of these arrests for being child predators together. Like why why haven't we had a segment on 60 Minutes about all of the disgusting politicians abusing children? But just keep believing CNN because I swear totally, man, totally they're not even lying. There's no such thing as an elite pedophile ring. No way, that's fake news. Oh, rando side note before we get started. So it's come out in court documents that Alec Baldwin's name was repeatedly mentioned in these Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself documents. The same Alec Baldwin that accidentally killed that cinematographer on location on his movie Rust. So this woman, Helena Hutchinson, she is reported. I don't know. I can find a few sources saying it. It's reported that she was working on a pedophile ring situation going on in the entertainment industry. And now she just fucking gets randomly shot by Alec Baldwin on a movie set. Totally normal, right? So now I'm going to tell you about some of those politicians. We have Democrats as well as Republicans, but shockingly, no Libertarians. Hmm. So the first person I'm going to tell you about is Keith Farnham. He was the Democratic former member of the Illinois House of Representatives who resigned from office and pleaded guilty to distributing child pornography in 2014. Apparently, this piece of work also bragged on the internet about molesting a six-year-old girl. So April 18th, 2014, Farnham was charged after receiving a tip that a Yahoo email address was being used to trade child pornography. Investigators found chat logs from June 2013 to January 2014 in which the user bragged in detail about a sexual encounter with a six-year-old girl and said that 12 is about as old as I can handle. The account's use was traced back to Farnham's home Comcast internet service. At least two videos of child pornography were found in Farnham's Elgin Legislative Office computer, in addition to two videos showing victims as young as two or three. Investigators found over 2,750 images of child pornography. So Farnham decided to plead guilty on December 5th, 2014. Farnham's attorney said that Farnham's details of a six-year-old girl were fictional and that Farnham, quote-unquote, has never, never abused any child, never had any physical contact with a child. The attorney also said that Farnham was a complex set of medical problems, including bladder cancer, hepatitis C, as well as pulmonary fibrosis. Just like, really? Are we just going to start throwing things out of nowhere as an excuse for fucking child porn? Ugh. 
Anyway, March 19th, 2015, Farnham was sentenced to eight years in prison. He was also ordered to pay $30,000 fine. He surrendered to the Federal Bureau of Prisons on May 19th, 2015 to begin serving his sentence. He was sued by two minors who claim they appear in the child pornography on his computer. He has died. He did not have to serve his whole sentence. He died June 18, 2017 at Butner Federal Correctional Complex in North Carolina. He was 69. Apparently, he was suffering from bladder cancer, lung disease, and pulmonary fibrosis. Now, if you haven't already figured out, this episode is going to be talking about horrible, disgusting people doing horrible, disgusting things to children. So the next one I'm about to tell you about is really fucking bad. I'm going to tell you about the former mayor of Hubbard, Ohio, between 2010 and 2011, was indicted and charged with eight counts of rape and 12 counts of attempted rape and gross sexual imposition. Now, I'm talking about a former Democratic mayor, Richard Keenan. So what he is admitting to is a three-year period of assault, which started when the girl was four years old. The child told his wife about the abuse, and she confronted Keenan. And apparently, he just replied, I did it. And this is all in court documents. Keenan reportedly checked himself into a psychiatric facility as he felt suicidal. He told a social worker that he had started assaulting the child in September 2013, but that she had, quote unquote, initiated the abuse, calling her a willing participant, a fucking four year old. This is how these people think. So in 2010, Keenan also worked for the city council and in the 1990s was a probation officer. He told the same publication that he had dedicated his life to Jesus. So he was found guilty on all these charges and sentenced to life in prison. Now, Republicans don't feel lonely because I'm about to tell you about a pedophile named Ralph Allen Lee Shorty, who's an American convicted felonious sex offender and former politician businessman. He was a member of the Republican Party. He was elected to the Oklahoma Senate in 2010, defeating several challengers in primary elections. He was then reelected in 2014 and served his term until 2017. He advocated for family values during his campaigns. During his tenure, he established a Republican consulting firm. Shorty resigned in 2017 after being charged with three felonies relating to soliciting prostitution from a male minor. In September 2017, a federal grand jury in Oklahoma City charged Shorty on four counts, one of which he pled guilty to in November 2017 with an agreement that the others would be dropped. Jailed since his plea, Shorty was sentenced in September 2018 to 15 years in prison to be followed by 10 years of supervised release. So somehow the original charges are child sex trafficking, child solicitation, just all these charges, and he gets to plead guilty to just one of them. The next Republican is Congressman and anti-gay activist Robert Bowman. He was charged with having sex with a 16-year-old boy he picked up at a gay bar. After that, somehow he was offered a book deal and it made the top sellers list. He actually talks about his whole quote-unquote gay sex in the book, so he addresses it all. But still, he's fucking a 16-year-old. Another one is Republican Congressman Donald Buzz Lukens, who was found guilty of having sex with a female minor and sentenced to one month in jail. Wow. 
So apparently he got fan letters while in jail. People sent him money while he was in jail. It's just, I guess, kind of rewarded in some situations, which leads me to believe that these children are just not valued. Now, going back to the Democrats, Democratic Virginia delegate Joe Morrissey was indicted on charges connected to his relationship with a 17-year-old girl and was charged with supervisory indecent liberties with a minor, electronic solicitation of a minor, possession of child pornography, and distribution of child pornography. You guys, the list goes on. When I was putting this all together yesterday, I found over 60 political figures that had charges and convictions for some form of child abuse or child exploitation, just sex charges with minors in general. First of all, this is making me wonder, like, is the public really that blind when it comes to these type of predators? I mean, they have to be because this kind of abuse just keeps repeatedly happening, not only in quote unquote elite pedophile ring circumstances. It happens from people, you know, neighbors and family members. And I always hear, well, we had no idea this person was like that. Fucking mind blowing. I'm going to go on like a little side rant here, but I think people really need to start paying attention to body language. Because 90% of the time, body language is going to tell you the real story, not the bullshit coming out of people's mouths. You need to just sit back and watch people. And you'll get accustomed to how people act when they're just being natural versus some sociopath that's going to look you straight in the eye and do a bold-faced lie. So you need to be able to differentiate those types of people. The sociopaths, those are the ones you need to worry about. I mean, these political nasty pedophiles have totally mastered living double lives and to the extent where they get the public to believe their bullshit nice face. So people just need to like sit back, watch people's body language and see if it matches up. I think I'm kind of lucky because I'm super hard of hearing and always have been that I've had to rely a lot on reading lips and watching people's body language combined with what they are telling me. And doing that for like 40 years has made it so I have a really finely tuned bullshit lie detector. So start working on that. See what you can find out about body language. See what seems normal. Just play with it. I'm not saying go out there and start accusing people of shit. I'm just saying sit back and take notice. But now back to the pedophiles. So, like I said, I found a list of over 60 politicians charged, convicted with some form or another of sexually exploiting children. Why isn't there somebody in the mainstream media talking about this? I just don't get why this problem is talked about for a second and then it's swept under the rug until the next fucking pedophile is busted and people do the same thing. They talk about it for a day, then it's gone from the news and nobody thinks about it. That needs to stop. That is like half of the reason this shit is still going on. People want to pretend like it's not happening and want to pretend like it's not a huge problem and always has been. So if you want to see the full list of these pedophiles, you can go to my Instagram at Vanished in the Valley Athena. I put it there yesterday, so you might have to go back a little bit. But it's just basically screenshots of this guy on Twitter who put everything together. So that's all there. Go check it out if you'd like to see all the perverts. So for Christmas, I bought myself three books that I'm going to briefly tell you about. 
So the first book I'm going to tell you about, I downloaded this a few weeks ago and it's free. Anybody can download it. It's an educational resource from the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, and it's called A Guide to Home-Based COVID Treatment, Step-by-Step Doctor's Plan That Could Save Your Life. There were many doctors and scientists that contributed to putting this together. The senior editor is Jane Orient, MD, internal medicine physician, executive director, Association of American Physicians and Surgeons president, and Doctors for Disaster Preparedness. A consulting editor was Peter A. McCullough, and he's got like a billion things after his name. Some of it is cardiologist, epidemiologist, cardiorenal Society of America, and I'm actually going to get into him a little bit more right now. So I'm sure everybody has kind of heard of Dr. McCullough at this point. He was on Joe Rogan's show, I think like last week or the week before. I haven't heard it yet, but I keep hearing people say, you got to listen to it. This guy knows what's up. And he does know what's up. I saw him give a speech and he just kind of hit on all the points that seemed important in the entire scheme of the COVID nightmare. So if you ever see any speeches or any of his papers or an article, I highly recommend it because he has risked everything to come out and talk about the other side of the narrative. He's been fired. He The whole press right now is completely demonizing him. I just found an article on Yahoo News that talks about how he's a hack and he doesn't know anything and he's going against the CDC's guidelines. Like, it's fucking crazy. Let me just read you some of the headlines. Doctor fired for spreading COVID misinformation. Find supportive crowd in Bartlesville. And I'm actually going to read you a couple excerpts from that article just to give you an idea of how hard the media is going right now to try to convince people that Dr. McCullough is a quack. So check out this shit. So the article starts, if the size of the standing room only crowd at the Bartlesville Community Center on Tuesday night is any indication, perhaps it is not surprising that the vaccination rate in Washington County for those ages 12 and older is just 43%. Those gathered, including GOP and public officials, nurses, pharmacists, and other concerned citizens, gave standing ovation during the presentation of Dr. Peter McCullough, a Dallas cardiologist who is largely discredited by the scientific community for his assertions that the COVID-19 vaccines are unsafe and that early treatment options have been suppressed. It's like, are those even like conspiracies at this point? Really? That's why he's discredited? Get the fuck out of here. So apparently at one point in the presentation, Dr. McCullough said the doctors were probably afraid to show up to the event. And one of Oklahoma's top infectious disease physicians, Dr. Andrew Malik, director of infection prevention and control at Ascension St. John, said the doctors he spoke to were not afraid to attend. They were just not interested in sitting through what would be seen as a quote unquote politically motivated ideological speech by a modern day quack. Are you fucking serious? A quack? Wow. He goes on to say, with all due respect, none of McCullough's ideas have been supported by any randomized, double-blind, controlled clinical trials. Actually, I could find about fucking 10 of his ideas that have exactly that. So it just kind of points out to me when I see the media go hard against somebody trying to discredit them or, you know, say A, B, or C in a negative light, 
it automatically makes me want to look into what is going on with that person because the media just loves to kind of like get all together, collude, whatever you want to call it, and just try to cancel someone, discredit someone, take away their life's work over some bullshit. And I see that's what's happening with Dr. McCullough. He spoke out against the narrative, and now from every single corner, people are going to try to drag him down and try to discredit him. So speaking of discredit, listen to this little clip. Get COVID if you have these vaccinations. These vaccines are highly, highly effective. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. They're really, really good against variants. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission. Uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. Get your first shot, and when you're due for your second, get your second shot. Our key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. If you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce transmissions. We need a new new way of doing the vaccine the level of virus in the nasopharynx of a person who's vaccinated and infected is the same level as the level of virus in the nasopharynx of an unvaccinated person reports from our international colleagues including israel suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early and if you look at israel mm -hmm. which has always been a month to a month and a half ahead of us, they are seeing a waning of immunity, not only against infection, but against hospitalizations and to some extent death. A booster might actually be an essential part of the primary regimen that people should have. Plan is for every, every adult to get so you just heard from the four COVID prophets, the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky. You heard from Anthony Fauci. Joe Biden and Bill Gates. Now, if you actually listen to that and hear what they're saying, they completely contradict each other. The information they're saying is discredited, but they want us to keep believing these people that have been either intentionally wrong or they're just fucking getting it all wrong on accident, which I highly doubt. And they're the only source of information that's right. Just those people. Not all these other doctors, scientists, virologists. Not them that have worked with COVID now for the last two years. Yeah, none of these people know what they're talking about. I mean, that's literally what the mainstream media is getting people to believe, trying to get people to believe. And unfortunately, it's working because the majority of people... Don't bother doing their own research. They turn CNN on night and whatever Anderson Cooper says goes. He's fucking like the mouthpiece for these prophets of the COVID cult. Fucking crazy. But yeah, actually, I got a fact check because I posted a clip of all of those prophets of the COVID cult, all of them saying conflicting information. I know, super shocking. I get a fact check. Dude, they go crazy on my page. I'm not even going to get started. But 
yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. All of those contradictory and completely disproven statements that these authorities said to us. But anyway, that's a side rant for another day. Let's get back to the at-home COVID treatment guide. So the treatment guide just kind of breaks down like early detection. It even goes in detail and describes what exactly coronavirus is and how deadly it is to certain populations. And they actually list some symptoms of COVID. They tell you about immediate home care recommendations and early treatment is what they're saying is the key to recovering from a Kabobo-19 infection. So a lot of it also deals with keeping your immune system healthy because nobody wants to talk about that. If you have a good immune system and you're a generally healthy person, Kabobo is really not that big of a risk. So they go ahead and list some of the stuff you can do, like vitamins, supplements, stuff like that. They also go into emerging prevention and treatment options, convalescent plasma-like stuff, prevention options with the prophylaxis and different vaccines. So there is a lot of different types of information in this document. So I actually found it. They're giving it away for free, but there was a section to donate money. So I just donated like five bucks. I mean, I'm seriously going broke as fuck right now since I haven't worked since September. But I can see they put a lot of work into it. And I was like, here, I I can't contribute much, but here you go. So if you want a copy of this, hit me up and I will happily send it to you for free. You don't have to pay anybody. It has a lot of really good information. I got it and printed it out. I wanted a hard copy just lying around for whatever. So moving on to the second book I got, it's called Practical Guide to Northern California's Edible Wild Plants by Stephen Golib. So I briefly looked through it and there is actually hella plants that are edible here that I had no idea. The book not only tells you what is edible, but it tells you how to break it down. Like if you need to boil it somehow or cook it for it to be more edible. It even has some of the nutritional value for these edible plants. So what I actually plan on doing is getting this book and going on a little field research to see what I can actually find in real life. Because, you know, it's one thing looking at a book with pictures and another thing to actually be out there trying to spot these plants. So, I mean, you guys, if you want to get something like this, I'm sure they have an edible guidebook to whatever state or area you're in. I would check it out because it could come in very handy. Now, the last one I ordered, I have not got it yet. Apparently, it's in shipment somewhere, but it's called Introduction to Botanical Medicines. History, Science, Uses, and Danger. Now, this book was, I think, kind of a good one to start with because I've never, like, looked into botanical medicines, anything like that. But it's so I can start making educated decisions on what natural products I'm going to use. It breaks everything down in a healthcare kind of perspective. A lot of dietary supplements are from quote-unquote natural plants, natural herbs. And as I start using more of this to maintain like a healthy immune system, a healthy life, all of that, I want to know all about it. I don't want to read just what the manufacturer is telling me. So this one is a good place to start. Eventually, I want to be good enough to where I can spot plants out here in the wild in Northern California and know, hey, I can use this to treat a burn. I can use this to treat a bug bite. So information like that. That kind of stuff might be very invaluable coming up if everything starts going to shit. (laughs) Well, going to shit even further than it has. 
which I keep hearing like rumblings of January is supposed to fucking be crazy with the protests and people aren't going to comply anymore. And I really hope so. I mean, I, I'm not even complaining as it is right now. California's mask mandate went into effect last Wednesday and I haven't worn a mask once and not one person has said shit to me yet. So we'll see if that continues, but I'm not going to comply. There's literally no scientific backing that masks are stopping any type of transmission. So nope, I'm not going to fucking wear a face diaper. They're doing it to children right now. Can you imagine sitting in school for like seven hours wearing a nasty ass face mask? And you know, kids, they're fucking touching their face all the time. So it's just like trapping bacteria next to their faces. It really makes no medical sense. But Fauci, you know, word of Fauci. So last week I was telling you guys that it's time to get off the sidelines. You got to start doing stuff. You need to talk to more people. And I think what some people may run into, like a little hiccup, is the argument itself. You have to reframe most arguments to fit with whoever you're speaking to. Like, for example, when I went to the Reignite Democracy protest in San Francisco, basically, as soon as we got out of the car, two people walking by, which I could tell were super fucking liberal, started asking, "What? hey, what are you guys going to do? What's the protest? Now, I knew if I said it was some Reignite Democracy thing for Australia, you know, anti-mandates, I knew they would have no support. But I reframed the situation, not lying, just reframing it, to say we were protesting the Australian government imprisoning the aboriginals. And they were all about that. They totally fucking agreed. So I think with a lot of things, you just got to find a common ground with a person and start there. You can't be all crazy. Don't call them sheep. As soon as you start attacking someone, they're not going to listen to your side of the coin. And they may not even just in general. Some people are so far gone in the COVID cult. There's nothing you can say to get them back. But for those who have questions, make sure you're framing the argument some way they can relate to and you'll have better success letting them see this side of what's going on. Well, that's about it for this episode. It is a little bit early, but I wanted to get it out because I'm going to the desert for Christmas and not going to have time to record or edit anything like that. So we're a little bit early this week. I just have to say what's up to the top three downloaders, which is California, New Jersey, and Michigan. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for the downloads. I appreciate it. And Russia, thank you for the downloads. I see you guys, and that's what up. I appreciate all the listeners and downloads. If you have questions or you want any of the documents I talk about, you can email me at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com, or you can try to go to Instagram and search Vanished in the Valley Athena. Good luck on that, though. That shit is so shadow banned. You literally have to type in every single letter of my name the way it's written. Otherwise, no suggestion will come up. It's fucking crazy. It's like that on my backup account as well. But whatever. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a safe holiday. And as I always tell you, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.